Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chabacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chabacasino.com welcome to the family vdw group no purchase necessary void where prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus Welcome to the Social Work Race, guys. Welcome back to this platform. We cannot stop reflecting. Um, a lot has happened in the news. But before we get into it, into a topic that I've been itching to do for a long time, welcome to this platform. It's for you, especially you, the social work students and the newly qualified. Um, yeah, listen, we hope or i hope that you can use this platform to help you hit a better stride when you enter into practice um yeah so hopefully you can learn from this and i think today there is a lot of learning um and i'm sharing partly from my own experience but i'm using um, um, um clips from social media to kind of emphasize the point of being aware of the people who are right in front of you, but you cannot see. Interesting topic. I'm going to play a, a clip for you. Instead of me yapping away at what we might be talking about, let's just play this clip. This clip really, really hit home for me. Uh, let's let's um, let me share this clip with you. I enjoy being able to identify people that are bad, that don't appear to be bad. If you're working drug cases or other types of cases, sometimes it's really easy to look at somebody and determine this person has a drug addiction, this person's a danger to me. Uh, on the terrorism side, it's, it's the same. But offenders, people that exploit and abuse children, I really feel like are, are monsters. These are people that when you see them, when you initially look at them, appear to be very friendly, very safe, very successful people. And that scares me more than anything. Man, was that a brilliant intro or what? Brilliant intro. And that's what we're looking at today. We're looking at the people who look innocent. I don't even know how to entitle these these shows, but you know, you get the picture, right? I, I'm fascinated by, for some strange reason, by people who look innocent, but are most likely perpetrators. It, it, it might be down to an element of there being a, an investigator, detective personality sitting deep in my psyche. But I do think that this has a lot to do with social work and some of you may have guessed it already 
where you will enter homes because of allegations. Listen, it's going to happen. If you're in social work, you will be entering the home of someone who has made an allegation at some point. Sorry, if you're in children's services, it's 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 what social work is. This is why we are there, because someone is unsafe or someone has been hurt. Um, and I just want to just have a, a really uh, a reflective look at when you enter into someone's into a family setting, for example, and you're trying to make sense of this. And what I want to really kind of focus on is the fact is that you won't always be able to see who they are, right? I want that to sink in. And so there's certain things that we can do to kind of either fish them out, to fish to the truth, um, and and just get to the root of what's going on so that we can ensure someone's safety, right? And and mitigate against abuse. Sorry, it's so late. My eyes are, are a bit dry. Um, so if you see me rubbing my, rubbing my eyes constantly, it's that reason. But that's what it is. I have to do these um, late at night. I've had a, a very long day and I'm like, I'm dedicated to this show. So let's do this. So, you know, you may not be able to see them. And in a sense, that's okay, because I think the really good perpetrators are um, difficult to see. And I just wanted to look at some of the psychological elements to why we can't see perpetrators, right? So I'm gonna play you another clip, and this clip is about um, what's been in the news this week. Is it this week? Yeah, I suppose it's this week. Um, Lucy Letby. The nurse, she's been found guilty of murder and attempted murder of, of babies, really. And it looks like she's going to spend the rest of her life behind bars. And partly, I think, that's to protect her as well. <laughs> Some people, you just don't want to be releasing back into into society, you know. Um, but what I'm going to do, I'm, I'm going to play a clip of, of um, this... Let's get rid of that one. Stop the screen. Yep. I'm going to play a clip for you. And I just want you to listen very carefully to um, what they're saying. Okay. What are they saying? Listen carefully because let me tell you, mo the vast majority of humans, let alone social workers who are humans as well, will fall into a trap. Listen carefully. There is so much learning right here okay check this out i don't think there's really uh, anything that stands out in describing lucy letby i would say she's beige as a person in that she was a normal 20 something year old during this these offenses she do you hear that beige <laughs> So she's using a descriptive word there. And I, I know that the, the journalists and the police are working together on this because they're going to see if anybody is colluding with the... They're listening to her language. And I'm going to do a session on language analysis as well to kind of fish through, to learn how to fish through into the truth. Um, she describes her as beige. So that's like an elusive colour, a bit like grey. 
which means that she did not stand out. She wasn't black, she wasn't white, she was in between. She was not distinguishable. She had a normal social life, um, family and friends. There isn't anything that you wouldn't expect. She'd grown up an only child in a semi-detached house on this comfortable, quiet cul-de-sac close to the River Wye in Hereford. Born in 1990, she went to comprehensive schools, including the city's sixth form college, before moving to Chester to embark on three years of nursing training. She carried out placements in Liverpool and began working at the Countess of Chester Hospital while studying, qualifying as a children's nurse in 2011. When suspicion first fell on Lucy Letby, neighbours here spoke of their shock and disbelief. People who'd seen her grow up described her as kind, studious, even geeky, but dedicated to becoming a nurse, which was her dream job. But she also had a busy social life, enjoying holidays with school friends and later nights out with colleagues. She had two cats and was a keen salsa dancer, attending classes and fundraised for the hospital. She was pictured in the local paper supporting its baby grow appeal for a new unit, quoted saying she enjoyed seeing babies progress and supporting their families. In another article, she posed with Dr John Gibbs, who eventually reported her, but who for years had no concerns. She was a quiet nurse. She seemed keen. She seemed competent. Um, there was nothing about her behaviour or her attitude that worried me at all. Yeah. The problem with Lucy Letby was that she was consistently associated with an increasing number of unusual collapses and deaths that were happening on the unit. That's where the worry was. When she was arrested and police searched her room, they found a teddy bear on the bed, a poster on the wall that says, leave sparkles wherever you go. Her mum and dad have been in court every day, but like everyone else, will have heard little to explain why their daughter, who embarked on a career caring for children, became a notorious child killer. Wow. So, listen, so much to pick up from all of this, right? I know that the police, they're really, I mean, the, Brit, you, the, the best police in the world are the British police, meaning that they always get to the bottom of things and when they put their minds to it. And they are, and, and psychologists are just like, this is a minefield um, of information that we want to learn from. How do we not see this woman and her potential? Right. Um, th th I think that something to learn here is that she cannot be seen. It is not possible to see this one. And there's a number of reasons for that. Um, th th there's a number of psychological reasons for that. And that is the association element or the, the looking in the mirror element. What do I mean by this? I've podcasted on this before. I think that it's difficult to see someone as guilty or heinous when they look like you you know that's something to consider all right um i think that it's difficult to see someone as a perpetrator or potential and now we consider remember her history in the nhs was both mixed it was both she could never have done this she's a lovely person she does not look like uh, the type of person look like quote unquote yet there were flags and because 
she did not look like um, she was protected to some degree. And that's one of the reasons why the NHS, possibly government, are going to have to compensate families because we should not be making these types of mistakes. So when social workers go into homes and you listen to what children say and they're strongly indicating something, but when you look at the the who they're pointing to and no, they look innocent, they surely they wouldn't and all of that, you've got to look past it and, and really dig into what the child saw. Now, look, I've been in situations where allegations of abuse have taken place and um, the, I'm there with the police. It's a joint investigation. And so I'm there with the police and we dig into the details and we can't make head nor tail of whether it's true or not. That can happen. But there are also times when you dig into the details and you can tell that the child is telling the truth. And you have to be careful with children because the more you ask questions is the more that sometimes they can add to the answers which could be fabricated from their imaginations, which are a lot wilder than adults. So you have to be careful how you ask questions. So sometimes um, um, we will take it in turns to lead in the questioning. So the, the officer, or sometimes I'll leave it to the officer to just lead in the questions and then I make notes. And it's through the questions and the answers, checking for consistencies and, and potential realities that you can say, oh, hold on a minute, this doesn't sound right. Or actually, this sounds very true. Do you know what I mean? So you've got to ask questions. Tip number one, ask questions. Tip number two, if this story doesn't wake you up to say, tip number two, doubt everyone. You go into a home, allegation of abuse, do not just think that it's just that mum's boyfriend who might be a part of it. You've got to consider the part that mum would have played in the abuse as well. Or, or allowing or en en enabling or facilitating the abuse. You've got to look at that. You've got to ask questions. So if you were here, then where was baby? Where, if, where, if dad was bathing her, where were you? And what did what did you do when your daughter first told you? The, the child might say, uh, the five-year-old say, I told mommy more than once. Wait, and it happened uh, again. And so mom, when she told you, what did you do? So you've got to dig in and get ugly with people. And when I say get ugly, what I mean is, is that they're gonna hate you for asking these questions. They're gonna probably attack you for asking these questions. They're gonna say, how dare you accuse me? You're gonna have to do it. Um, not necessarily direct accusations, but the questions can be accusatory in nature and you're gonna get people's backs up. And that is one of, this is one of the ugly sides of social work is when there's an allegation and answers don't add up. And you must not fall into the trap of considering someone innocent because of the way they look or because they are mum or because they're dad. You cannot do that. You cannot say, oh, someone says that they love children. They work in a nursery. Ah, it means nothing. It means nothing. Oh, he's a reverend. He's a pastor. No, he's a police officer. It doesn't mean a thing. He's a doctor. Been working with children for 20 years. It means nothing. It, listen, I'm just going to reiterate to you. None of this means anything for innocence or guilt doesn't mean anything so you have to doubt everyone and there isn't an answer as to how we move forward from there that's between you and the police because it will usually be a joint investigation in, in this in this uh type of situation but everybody you know 
is a potential culprit in this work. So do not be hoodwinked by the fact that someone speaks the same language as you because they're 60 years old, because of their um, work history or their experience. Don't even be thrown off. You have to be very careful with this one. Class. Don't be thrown off by class and language. And sometimes they're going to threaten you and say, well, if you, I'm going to speak to my solicitor and all that talk. And, you know, no, don't be thrown off. You're the social worker and you get to stick around. You get to stick around and ask the questions and you get to make them uncomfortable because you have to get to the bottom of these allegations. This is life-changing stuff. That's what we have to do. And I could talk about this one point all night. But the element of someone looking like you, meaning, do you see yourself and think that because they, and not even realize that you see yourself in the person that you're, that is, the allegations have been made against. When you look at yourself in them, or they look like your child, they could never do it. No, it's not Johnny. Johnny would never do something like that. But really, have you reflected on why you think that they're innocent? Is it because they look like you? They look innocent. And who says they're innocent? Let's go a little bit deeper. Lucy looks like a, and I suppose if she has her uniform on, a trustworthy human being, because we're used to seeing nurses. She's a, she's a poster girl for the NHS, in effect. Um, and it's not, when I talk about this, it might sound like an element of white privilege, and, it, and, it, and it's, in a sense it is. So the, the poster girl for the NHS would be a white, possibly blondish white woman nurse. And so that is the image of safety and trust. And... You know, without getting into the politics of it, that is what it is. Okay. Um, in the same way, the, the the face of banks and certain institutions would be a face that we trust the most, which is a white woman. That is a form of white privilege. I'm not condemning anybody for that. It is what it is. Um, but I would say that we have to be on uh, our toes in this game by not being misled by what we see. We have to go a lot by what we see and what we hear and what is said to us. We have to go by the information in hand before we determine that people are innocent. And if you really want to protect a child from further abuse, you're going to have to safety plan and it doesn't ma ma matter how um, uncomfortable it makes the family when you safety plan, meaning you might have to ask partners to split up. Well, where is he going to go? Go to his mum's, sleep on a couch somewhere, sleep on the street. But until we get to the bottom of this, this person can't be here. Th that's what we have to do. We're going to have to make people uncomfortable because this is serious stuff. And it is shocking the amount of abuse that takes place in this country. And the last thing that we, any of us want as social workers is to know that on our watch, whilst a case was in our hands, that it took place after we visited the home. So that's something very scary. And that's like, even, even though today um, I wasn't working, um, yet social work is on my mind. Cases are on my mind. Have I done this, this and this? And so that's my point today to say, people mustn't be hurt because I was hoodwinked.
abuse must be stopped in its tracks if I'm aware of it or if I haven't done the work, if I haven't done the work to dig into the truth as far as I could possibly go. No one, in a sense, is to be trusted. And the only thing I trust is what I hear and what I see. Um, that's a reality check for social work. And if anything, let it be an encouragement. I'm um, sorry, these flies. Um, fruit flies, by the way. Yeah, it, it let, I've got a bunch of strawberries here. Yeah, so it, let it be an encouragement that we get stuck in to cases um, as deep as necessary. Let it be an encouragement that if you really want to come into this job and help people, you will get a case like this and you will, not necessarily about murder, but you know, around allegations of abuse or assault, you're going to have to get to the bottom of it and have no fear about how uncomfortable you make people. Actually, let your focus be protecting a child from further harm. Let your focus be about knowing that you want to sleep at night, knowing you've done everything you can do. Yeah, hopefully that helped. Take care of yourselves.